Philippians chapter 4. Paul wrote this letter to the church at Philippi. And, uh, and in verses 6 and 7 particularly, I just want to bring to your attention this morning. Can I just pray before we, we, uh, we, we just read this? Lord, I, I thank you that your word is not just words on a page, but it's alive and active. And uh, I ask this morning, Holy Spirit, you'd take the word of God and that you'd bring just incredible life to us. Even, even revelation thought, even just new thinking, uh, Father, and I ask that for each of us, that we would be incredible good soil for the seed of your word this morning. And everybody who agreed with me said, Amen. Amen. We're going to read this. It just says in Philippians uh, chapter 4, 6 and 7, it just says, Be anxious for nothing, uh, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, I love that thought. Hello, Ernie Peters. What are you doing here? Sneaking in. This is Pastor Ernie Peters, everybody. An incredible pastor in your poon. He's not there anymore, but he's... <laughs> uh, well, we'll just have to start again. You've interrupted things, Ernie. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Isn't it interesting? Paul says, in everything by prayer and then with thanksgiving. It's just like if you were to take a bowl of strawberries, um, you know... Strawberries by themselves just don't go. It's got to be strawberries and? Yeah, come on. And you know, you know they're nice, but you know, cream just puts incredible more taste into it, doesn't it? And you know, Paul says, it's just not prayer, but it's got to be with the cream. You've got to have the thanksgiving. And then he says, let your requests be made known to God. Oh, isn't that important? How many times do we have these requests and we think God knows our heart, but we never actually ask Him? We never get around, oh, oh well, you know, God, even though God does know, He wants to hear it. That's true. So um, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the what? And the, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through my understanding no, through who? Christ Jesus. Paul, in writing this letter to the, uh, Philippi, the church at Philippi, is an old man now. He's in his senior years, and he's writing this particular uh, letter, and he's written several of the letters in the New Testament. And the words hold much more weight when you realize something, when you realize that Paul is actually writing from a prison okay? You think about the words he's writing here. He's saying, come on, don't be anxious for anything. Just be prayerful. Be thankful in prison. Paul spent uh, quite a deal of his life in prison for believing and, of course, um, proclaiming Jesus Christ. So, you know, that's an incredible thought that a man in prison would continue to say, hey, just give thanks. Isn't it powerful? You know, just give thanks. And I'd like to say Paul speaks about being thankful from this imprisonment and I have a strong suspicion that though Paul is physically locked up, his heart was far from being imprisoned. Would you agree? His heart is far from it. There was a wonderful leader of the Indian people who led them out of, um, out of uh, elements of you know, tyranny and that from the, in the early part of last century, the whole nation of India, and his name was Mahatma Gandhi. You may remember him, that wonderful little skinny guy. He used to wear a robe, and you probably don't, some of you, but you might have seen pictures. But he said this, he said, you can chain me, you can torture me, you can even destroy this body, but you'll never imprison my mind. 
you'll never imprison my mind. And I got a sneaky suspicion that's exactly Paul's testimony. Even though he's in prison, he's able to declare so freely and so wonderfully that, hey, you know, give thanks. Give thanks. And I think where prison would be naturally the last place you wanted to be thankful for being. Would that you agree? But he says, come on, give thanks. See, Paul, there was another time that Paul said in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and he kind of gave us a bit of a, a dossier of his life experience, and he said this, three times I was just beaten with rods. Anybody had that happen lately? You know, last time I was beaten with a rod was when I deserved it in grade eight and got the cane. And then he says, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, and one time I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I mean, I haven't got a, a portfolio of life experiences like that, and I don't think any of us have. But we continually see throughout Paul's letters that he writes in the New Testament, this reoccurring theme of give thanks. Give thanks. Hebrews chapter 13, 15 is an interesting one. It says, now, while we don't know the author of Hebrews precisely, a lot of Bible commentators say it was Paul, and it says in Hebrews 13:50, Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. There we go, giving thanks to his name. And the author of Hebrews is saying, If your life is to be fruitful, then let your lips speak one of the greatest attributes, and that is giving thanks to God. If your life's going to be fruitful. Do you know, church, that I've, I, I've, yes, I've continued to live my Christian life I've come to understand that God really doesn't care about my gifting so much as He cares about the fruit of my life. You can be very talented. You can have a wonderful lot of gifts. You can be just an incredible person. But if it never produces fruit, what's the use? And I think one of the most incredible fruits in our life is that when we're going through a struggle or a hard time, that we actually produce this wonderful quality of thankfulness. I think that's a fruit. I think that's a sign that, that you've got something, you've, you've connected in something, you've joined the dots and you understand something about what these scriptures are saying. Because you can be talented. Uh, the Bible says you can, you know, if you have not love, you have not the fruit of life, you can go around and, you know, you can perform miracles and healings and everything, but if you don't see any fruit, come on, what's really happening? Now, I'm not saying discard your gifts and your talents, not at all. I'm just saying that I think God's more interested in the fruit in the end. And one of the fruits of our lips needs to be the heart of thanksgiving. Um, as we go on, Paul talks about in Colossians, this is another example in Colossians 4.2, he says, continually earnest, uh, continue earnestly in prayer, being what? Vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Here's the strawberries and cream again. Prayer, thanksgiving. And the word vigilant just talks about alertness, attentiveness, always aware that you need to give thanks. How would it be if you went through every day, you got up in the morning and you actually got out of bed and say, hey, Lord, thank you, I'm alive. That'd be a great start, wouldn't it? I'm alive again and I can breathe. And you go into the day with the, the, the mindset that, hey, I just need to give thanks today. You need to give thanks for that person who cuts you off from the traffic. I just need to give thanks today for the attitude that I find my boss is in because he got out of the wrong side of bed. I'm just going to give you thanks today, God, whatever I face. Man, how do you think your day would go? I think it would go a lot better. I think it would go a lot better. Paul was saying, come on, stay alert. 
And throughout Paul's writings, he's continually pressing people to give thanks. And uh, Paul's saying, if you truly, uh, you know, I think Paul discovered something. He discovered that in his life, something happens when he gives thanks. I think he, he, he discovered it. That's why he continued to do it. Because something dynamic not just happened when he gave thanks to whatever he was giving thanks to, but something happened in his life. And giving thanks is a declaration from your mouth that is mainly aimed at God. And at least 99 times in the Bible, it refers to giving thanks to God. Um, and uh, what happens, as I discovered, is you give thanks, you give thanks to God, it often ricochets back at you, and it does something incredible in your life, and bears the fruit of sometimes just peace and joy and hope in your heart. Would you agree? When you give thanks. You aim it at God, but it comes back at you, and it does something in your life. I was 13 years of age with my good friend, Andrew. Andrew and I would do what boys do. We loved to get out in the bush, run around, ride, ride motorbikes. We had a great time. And one of the most incredible things uh, happened one day is that Andrew was given the trust of, a, of a, a gun, a rifle. Just him and me were able to go out in the bush and have some fun with this rifle. It was a slug gun. Everybody ever remember what a slug gun is? It's just a pump-up air thing. It's not actually got gunpowder in the bullets. It's just a little slug. So we went out into the bush this afternoon, and we were having a great time with it. Now, Andrew didn't let me hold it, and because, you know, his parents had entrusted him with the gun and not me, and I understood that, but I was just excited to be there. I thought that was an incredible thing, to be entrusted with a gun at the age of 13. These days, that wouldn't happen, would it? But back then, it did. And so as we roamed through the bush of this particular area in Gladstone here, my Andrew had the gun and he saw something coming through the grass real quick. He aimed his gun. Now, we had no intention of shooting anything except twigs and bushes, but something of a rush of blood took over. And there's this little animal, or whatever it was, started to come. It took a, uh, it took a left turn. It started to come straight for us. Now, my mate Andrew, he, he's, he's, he's gone too far to pull out of this. He's going to give this thing a shot. And as he's aiming the gun, it's running straight at us, and it runs up to our feet, and he, he gets to our feet, and he pulls the trigger. <laughs> he didn't shoot the road, and it went, it went away. He did hit something, but... <laughs> now, I know what you're thinking. Thankfully, it missed all our toes. It hit a rock, ricocheted off the rock, and, and slammed into his, into his uh, shin. And uh, thankfully, uh, the bullet had lost its power by the time it hit his uh, shin because it didn't break the skin. It just caused a fairly big welt and a pretty dented pride. And I looked at my friend Andrew, and right there I had this thought... Uh, your mum and dad need, re need to reassess the trust they have in you. <laughs> I didn't say it, but I thought it. I thought, man, you're crazy with a gun. I kind of stepped back, and, and after that, we kind of wandered home, and we didn't say much, as boys do. You don't want to get too embarrassed about it, but, you know. We, uh, and the reality is, what was meant for the little animal, unsuspecting animal, it ricocheted and came back and hit him. Uh, what was meant to impact the little fella impacted my friend Andrew. And I want to say every time you aim your praise or your thanksgiving, I should say, at our God, I want to tell you it ricochets and hits you and impacts you in an incredible way. And I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about the power of giving thanks. Can we just say that the power of giving thanks? Because it will impact your life. Every time you aim thanks at God, it comes back, it ricochets off his heart, and impregnates in yours. 
It does something in your life. It impacts you. It does something that maybe you're not even aware of today. Even as we've sat in or stood in this service and we've given thanks to God, as we've lifted our voice and the fruit of our lips and we've said, bless the Lord, O my soul, something is impacting you as you deliver it to God. He delivers it back. I want to talk about giving thanks because I'm suspicious and I'm kind of aware that we don't give thanks half of what we should. Half of what we should. Giving thanks, the power of it does some things in our lives. And I want to share with you this morning, giving thanks, for number one, if there's what giving thanks does, it strengthens our resolve. What I mean by that, it strengthens our ability to cope with life. It strengthens us. Verse 6, way back in the... Um, and what we were just reading here, and we'll go the other way. There we are. Philippians 4, 6. Verse 6 says this. It, it says, something give thanks. What does it say? Come on. Everything. It says in everything. But it says everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So in everything, give thanks. It talks about giving thanks. And when Paul said something, he was talking about, he was talking about things both good and bad. He was saying all things give thanks. And why in the world would we do that? Why would we give thanks in the bad times? See, a heart of thankfulness is very appropriate when, we do, when we're on the receiving end of generosity or kindness. It's very appropriate to give thanks when something like that happens. But do we see God as a waiter standing in the restaurant of life? And when the waiter serves us well, we give, give him thanks. But if he doesn't serve us well and, God, and things don't go like we want them to go, do we at best not say anything, or at worst, complain. And say, God, why? Why did this happen? Why did this happen? See, or do we trust that the sovereign God who created the whole entire universe and created you and me might just know a little bit more than we do about the circumstances that surround our life and how they should be outplayed in our life? What do you reckon? Uh, Do we trust Him enough that we are convinced that He will use both blessing and heartache to produce things like character and wisdom and faith in our lives. Um, because thanking God for his love and power and wisdom, and no matter, how, no matter how or where he leads us, I tell you, it renews our hope, it lightens our load, and it puts steel in our soul. I want to say it again. Um, thinking, thanking God for his love, thanking God for his power, his wisdom that he gives us, uh, and, and, and all of those things that he does for us, it lightens our load, it renews our hope, and it puts something of incredible steel in our emotional being to cope with life. And I want to say this, we can only raise the threshold of our pain in life if we deepen the thankfulness of our hearts. Now, I'll say that again. We can only raise the threshold of our pain levels in life if we deepen the thankfulness of our hearts. Let me explain to you what I'm saying. We all face different pain threshold levels. They tell me that women's pain threshold level is a lot more than men. I'd believe it after sitting through my wife and seeing her give birth to three daughters. Okay? Would, that be, would we be agreed about that? So when I'm saying pain threshold, I'm talking about the ability to cope with pain. Now, let's move it from the physical to the whole emotional part of us. Physical pain is one thing. Emotional pain and struggle is another thing, isn't it? So 
Where is your pain threshold in relation to the things that you cope in, cope, how you cope in life? Is it, is it maybe here? You know, you can handle so much. Um, can you handle so much offense, so much attitudes against you, so many struggles? And you've said, that's as much pain as I can cope with. Thank you. I'm out of here. I'm running away from there. Or is it maybe here? This is the amount of pain you can cope with in life. Or is it maybe even right up here, a really high um, pain threshold level? Does, does everybody understand that? Is that okay? How, how do we cope? You know, it's pain threshold, you know, it, it's kind of sharing with how much, how we cope with the, the things that happen in life. You know, is our pain threshold get very low when we're tired and grumpy and had enough of the day and we go home and, and you know... Something happens that we're just not excited about, so we give someone at home a bit of a mouthful because we're just grumpy. And so our pain threshold maybe for that moment is fairly low, and yet other times it can be quite high. So, so there's different abilities for us to cope with life depending on how much we can, we can cope with in the way of emotional struggles and pains. Would you agree? So I've discovered that the threshold will only raise with the amount of thankfulness that I'm willing to have in my heart. I can raise the level of that depending on how much thankfulness, how much I give thanks, how much I'm willing to say, God, I just thank you. And the more that I do it, the more I can cope with what happens in life. Is that, is that an understandable concept? Because that's what God's Word says. Giving thanks strengthens our resolve. Giving thanks strengthens our resolve. Thankfulness... Um, I'll say we can only raise the threshold of our pain in life if we deepen the thankfulness of our hearts. And it strengthens our resolve to face life. Of course, your thankfulness has got to be more than just words. It's got to be saying, God, I just, it's got to touch our hearts, isn't it? And saying, God, I think. Your praise does the same thing, doesn't it? And when we praise Him, it talks about sacrifice of praise, but giving thanks to God. God, I just thank you today. I don't like what I'm going through. I don't enjoy it, but I give you thanks that all things can work together for good to those who love the Lord Jesus Christ. I give you thanks. Here's another one about thankfulness. I've discovered thankfulness is an antidepressant. It's an antidepressant. Uh, Verse 6 says, "Be, be anxious for nothing. Nothing in the Hebrew, uh, in the original Greek, actually means this incredible word, nothing. <laughs> nothing means nothing. It, you know, so when it says nothing, that's what it means. It says be anxious for, you know, the truth is, that's pretty hard to do, isn't it? Be anxious for nothing. There's some things I get a little bit anxious about, some things I get a bit concerned about, but, you know, Paul says be anxious for nothing. Um, I've discovered depression is caused by anxiety, generally. And whatever you want to look at, whichever way you want to look at it, if it's worry or you say it's concern or it's a panic attack or it's fear or it's anxiety, when they're allowed to rule in our minds for a prolonged length of time, it, it can lead to depression. There's other things as well, but that certainly can be a major factor when we allow those things of anxiety and worry and concern to be... Uh, Thinking on those things for prolonged periods of time, it can cause depression. Thankfully, thankfulness blocks depression from taking hold in our hearts. Uh, it says in verse 7, what it says, And the what? And the peace of God, which surpasses all our 
upset and understanding all our worry, all our concern, all our misconceptions about what might happen. The peace of God will guard your what? Hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's an antidepressant. Thankfulness is an antidepressant. It's like an antihistamine. You ever heard that terminology? If you get an allergy on your face or you get, you know, sneezing or, you know, something that you can't control, your allergic reaction to something, you can go to the doctor and get an antihistamine. And as you sniff it or drink it or whatever you want to do with it, what happens is it blocks the nerve endings from reacting the way that it's reacting and you feel normal because antihistamine is a blockage to that which is affecting your body. That's pretty understandable, I hope. Well, I want to say thankfulness does exactly the same thing. It blocks your heart from being allowing concern and worry to take root in your life. Why does Paul emphasize this attribute of giving thanks? Because Paul knows that what comes out of your mouth creates the climate that you live in. The climate of thankfulness is joy and peace, not depression and worry. Ungratefulness will create a climate for you that will make it harder for you to be victorious or productive in life. In actual fact, you'll live in a dark place. Um, there's a verse um, in Romans chapter 1, 21. It says, although they knew Christ, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Man, that sounds like a bit of depression, doesn't it? Darkened. That sounds like stuff we don't want to be a part of. Paul was, Paul was saying to the Roman church, if you're struggling in your mind, be, be careful. Don't become foolish in that because it can take you to dark places in your heart. And one of the major reasons for it is that your lack of, of thankfulness. Lack of thankfulness. I want to encourage us this morning. We don't have to be like that. Uh, we can create a climate in our life of thankfulness, even in some of the most difficult circumstances uh, where we create a climate of joy and peace because of our thankfulness here's another thing about thankfulness that i think is incredible making good decisions starts with giving thanks uh, there's a verse 1 thessalonians five eighteen. it says and everything give thanks for this is the will of god in christ jesus for you interesting isn't it? it's worth noting there that it says this is the will of god for you this is not just a portion of his will or a little bit of his will. This is God's... You ever say, oh God, just give me your will. And we're looking for concrete answers. God, just give me di direction on this decision. Can you just tell me, who should I marry? Which job should I take? And you know, you notice that God never ne necessarily puts neon signs in the sky and says, this is the way, walk here in it. He often says to us, why don't you look in my word and just see what it says? Because making decisions all starts with just, he says here, he says, giving thanks for this is the will of God. And when you get in that frame and in the climate of just giving thanks to God, I tell you what, you make better decisions then. Would you agree? You make better decisions because you're in the climate of, of him interacting with you or in that atmosphere of you interacting with him. You're giving him thanks and, he, and then you can make a more informed and right decision because your emotional state is more at peace and joy and not worry and anxiety. Now you say, oh, that's easier said than done. Look, I agree. 
but why not start so that you can make good decisions about life? Um, it can be difficult to see anything of wisdom or direction or God's leading you if you're in a negative or grumpy state. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Jesus uh, was told about his good friend's sickness. His name was Lazarus and, he's, and they sent to Jesus and said, Jesus, would you come and heal Lazarus and Jesus waited about several more days and didn't go and when he did turn up Lazarus had died remember it's in John chapter 11 and um, and they said why won't you hear Jesus you've got to heal him of his sickness and Jesus says you know don't panic only believe and you'll see the glory of God isn't that interesting sometimes we think God should intervene here and yet the matter gets really worse and it seems to get worst problem but you know if you would just allow yourself to trust your our God in those times man God can even do something greater just down the track when it is the worst now I'm not saying God does that to us he just maybe allows it because he wants to show us something of his incredible glory and so for this instant this is what happens Lazarus is now dead he goes to the tomb Jesus that is and he says roll away the stone well they say he's dead for four days Quite rightly, his body would decay and it'll, it'll not be a pleasant smell. Jesus says, roll away the, the stone anyway. So they roll away the stone and the very first thing that Jesus does when the stone is rolled away isn't call Lazarus out. It isn't say some incredible prayer. He just offers thanks to his father and he literally says this. He says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I thank you that you've heard me. How many times is our prayer contain those words we're always asking we're always you know when you asked sometimes you just need to thank him then and so Jesus just says father I thank you that you heard me my prayer is that he'll come out alive and I thank you that you heard me and as he thanks God his heavenly father then the power is transferred into Lazarus and he says Lazarus come forth and Lazarus walks out alive I think the the, uh, the way that this unfolds is significant in that Jesus gave thanks and then the will of God was accomplished. And I think so many times in our life, if we would just sometimes steady and calm ourselves by sitting in God's prayer and just saying, God, I just give you thanks. I just give you thanks. I don't enjoy this. I don't like it. I'm not happy about it. But God, I give you thanks and you know, it just brings some element of peace. It rebounds off God, hits our heart, brings peace. And so what happens is we start to find out, we start to think clearly, and we can make right decisions. And we know the will of God. The trouble is that some of us, and I would include myself, can get in the habit of not giving thanks to God. And we have to break the mindsets of that sometimes. We had to really change out the way we think about God. You know, when we uh, face life, sometimes our natural, um, we naturally default to anxiety or worry. We naturally default to a whole lot of emotions that aren't going to do us any good. Would you agree? If only we'd pull ourselves up and say, Father, I'm just going to make a decision here to say thank you to give you thanks, to put you first in my 
life here for a moment. And you watch how things change. See, the last and final thought I want to share with you this morning is thankfulness builds strong relationships. See, thankfulness is a confession from our mouth that sometimes we, that uh, is an important confession. It's a, it's a good confession. It's a positive confession. It's a necessary confession. And confession is, if you think about it, is a really necessary thing. If we, even when we come to Christ, it just says in Romans 10.10, it says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And confession is established at the very beginning of our life in Christ. And the word confess is a great word in the Greek. It literally means a binding declaration by which a legal contract is established. So confession is a binding declaration by which a legal contract is established. And when we come to Christ, we say, Lord, I believe in you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And there is a contract is established between us and God. And God takes it very seriously what we confess. That's why be careful what you say. Isn't that right? Be careful because it, it, our words are powerful. So confession is powerful. And the interesting thing about confession is one of the Hebrew words for thanksgiving is this word yada, and it literally means to confess. So when you're giving thanks, you're giving an incredibly binding legal declaration of confession of thankfulness to God. And what happens is in that legal agreement, it binds you to the very person or the very thing that you give thanks to. So... Thinking about that, if I was to put it in really simple terms, when I say to my wife, for instance, honey, thank you for that incredible meal, what do you think that does that for her? I'm setting up a wonderful positive confession. I'm saying thank you, and it actually binds her heart to my heart closer because I'm giving her encouragement. I'm saying thank you for that lovely meal. When she does that for me and says, James, thank you, for the way you mowed the lawn, you do it with such excellence. <laughs> She's actually never said that, but it'd be good if she did. Sorry? Oh, thank you. I'll come and do your lawn and you'll tell me that. <laughs> but you know, if she did, you know, and us guys live on affirmation. <laughs> Gentlemen love affirmation. Isn't that true, guys? We enjoy it. We don't get a lot of it, but when we do, man, we, we kind of say, oh, you don't have to say that. But we go, like, wow, that was good. <laughs> we don't literally, but in our heart, we feel good. So, you know, what happens is that a confession is powerful. It, it binds us to the person who declares something good over our life. We think, thank you. Oh, that's good. And it binds us. There's a legal declaration declared, and there's an agreement uh, um, that's come we come into agreement that we agree yeah thank you and so when we do that for people on earth you know we should do that because it, it you know it encourages and it builds strong relationships when we say thank you why don't all of us go home and just say to our spouse if they're not here because my wife's teaching Sunday school and just give them one compliment and say thank you for all that you do do you think that would do anything for your marriage Maybe as, maybe as um, young people here today, go home and say to your parents, thank you for the way you've looked after me for the last you know, 10, 12, whatever years it is. What do you think that'll do to your parents? They'll probably go, what? What do you want? No, no. 
no, no, no. Let's, why don't you do that? Why don't you ring up your mum or dad? Maybe you're an older person and they're like in their 80s and say, hey, I just want to thank you, mum, for giving birth to me. Oh, I don't know, something like that. Wouldn't that be powerful? Sometimes parents say, I gave birth to you and I'll, give, and I'll take you out as well if you're not careful. <laughs> but, um, so confession is powerful. What do you think it does when we say, God, I just thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you. For God, I just thank you. What do you think it does? It builds this wonderful binding legal agreement between us and God and builds our relationship with him closer. It establishes something incredible. It's what God wants us to do. It binds our hearts to his. It's such a powerful thing when we give thanks to God. We're confessing and we're binding ourselves to God. We're building and establishing relationship with God. And, and as we say, thank you, God, we aim it at God. It rebounds, it ricochets, it comes back and hits us and impacts in our lives in the form of um, a fruit called peace and joy and hope in our lives. I, uh, there's a wonderful story. It's a bit of a fable, but it's a great fable. And it goes like this. And a wise woman who was traveling in the mountains found a precious stone in a stream one day. The next day she met another traveler who was hungry and the wise woman opened her bag to share her food with this hungry traveler. The hungry traveler saw the precious stone and asked the woman to give it to him and so she did without hesitation. The traveler left. The traveler left rejoicing in his good fortune. He knew the stone was worth a lot of money and he now realized that his future financial situation was really strong. And of course, that uh, he would be right for a lifetime. It was secure, his financial situation. But a few days later, the hungry traveler came back to return the stone to the wise woman. And this is what he said. I've been thinking, he said, I know how valuable the stone is. But I give it back in the hope that you can give me something even more precious than the precious stone. You've got to listen to this. I give it back to you in the hope that you'll give me something even more precious than the stone. Give me what you have within you that enables you to give me the stone in the first place. Have you grabbed that? Give me what you have within you that enables me enables you to give me that stone in the first place. In other words, the hungry traveler was saying, more valuable than anything they have, as I've thought about it, is the value of having a heart like yours that just wants to give. Having a heart like that that just wants to hand over without hesitation. And I want to say one of the most powerful things that you can give, you can give your time, you can give your finance, that's all wonderful, you can give your energy, but I want to tell you, giving thanks is incredibly powerful and incredibly releasing for us. You know, today you see those children that you just wish were walking with God and you know that's not happening. And I want to tell you, as you just would literally say, God, I give you thanks for them. As you start to see the little glimmer of hope in their lives and say, God, I thank you for that, and I thank you for that, and I thank you for that. I want to tell you that's impacting, not just on your life, but I believe it's impacting on their life. 
maybe as you pray for your husband or your wife and you're believing for something to impact their lives, why don't you just start, instead of telling them what they do wrong, start to say thank you for what they do right. What do you think? Instead of seeing the children and all that they do wrong, why don't you start to speak life over them? Start to say, God, I just thank you. I want to thank you for picking up that one toy. Because I've, dis- I've discovered that my children will rise to my expectation. If my expectation is that they're just always a menace and they need to get out of my road, that's what they'll rise to. But if I, if I speak life to them and say, hey, incredible, you're a champion. I thank you for who you are. You're beautiful. You know, when, when my daughters ring me, the first words, when, I, when they text me, the first words they say is, hi, beautiful. Now, I don't want it to become just a habit or something that I just do that doesn't mean anything but what I'm doing is I'm speaking something and just saying I think you're beautiful and giving thanks is like that it declares something over a person's life maybe today you're in a situation at work that's just miserable <laughs> you just say boy you feel like they rip you off or they you got maybe you got a fellow work person who's just my goodness but it wouldn't melt in their mouth and they're just always grumpy what would happen if you went to work tomorrow and you just thank that person for one thing? That you, don't do it out of flattery, but do it because you see something genuine about them and just said, hey, I just want to thank you for doing that. I wonder how the atmosphere would change in our homes, in our workplaces, in our own hearts because we declare something that is powerful. And we have what this woman had, the ability to give without hesitation give thanks because ultimately all that you own and all that you have is nowhere near as valuable as what you have in here would you agree all that you've earned this last financial year will never be as valuable as what's in your heart and what comes out of your heart and if you allow yourself to continually have an attitude of gratitude and thankfulness in life. I've discovered that, that the pain thresholds in your life, and that is the ability to cope with life and the struggles and the things you face, gets much higher as, and as you give much more thanks and you have much more thankfulness in your heart. It's much higher than it can be without thankfulness. I've discovered that it allows you never to fall in the areas of depression. It helps you make great decisions in life as those decisions are made in the atmosphere of thankfulness and not negativity. And it establishes relationships, particularly with our God, as you learn the art of giving thanks. Can we stand this morning, church, as we close?